Well, thanks very much. And I think as uh, most of you uh, know, uh, what we do through our office here at McGill to separate sense from nonsense. And I can tell you that uh, in the area of supplements, this is really necessary because there are a lot of snake oil salesmen out there. And what we really have to try to do is to get rid of the snake oil and replace it with proper science. Not always an easy thing to do because very complex world out there with all of these health supplements. I'll try to demystify uh, maybe not all of it, but at least some of it for you uh, here today. Well, first of all, let's just take a look at uh, where we get these things. Well, you can go into a pharmacy these days, and of course, you see everything, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants of, of all kinds, and you'll see even more if you visit a health food store. So that's one place where you get these, but you can also get them online. And there are numerous uh, manufacturers who sell their products online. And uh, this is a real problem because, of course, these can be shipped from anywhere. So you can get supplements that are not legal in, in a country uh, from another country where they may be legal and you can just have them shipped in. Or you can even buy stuff that is not legal anywhere. And then, of course, we have the multi-level marketing schemes. And uh, numerous dietary supplements are sold like that. And here the idea, of course, is that you get people to sell the product who then get others to sell the products. And essentially, it's a pyramid scheme. And uh, hopefully, you make money out on it. Uh, basically, what they are really selling when they're selling one of these uh, products is, is a chance to make money. That's really what they're talking about. And uh, most of the time, a few people at the top will make some money and then it kind of peters out because nobody buys the product just to have the product. They're just buying it to get in on the money-making uh, scheme. Anyway, there are a lot of supplements out there in all of these uh, diverse um, areas. The question, of course, twofold, are they safe and are they effective? And uh, unfortunately, the information I can give you here is not all that comforting. For example, uh, the uh, Office of the Auditor General in Canada just put out a report about how Health Canada has been handling these natural health products. And as you can see, it's actually quite scathing. Uh, they are not properly handled. And we cannot rely on Health Canada to make sure that these natural health products are safe and, and effective. Similarly, in the U.S., we constantly see some reports like this, this one from the Preventative Services Task Force. And uh, what they've just found is that vitamin E and beta carotene, which are widely marketed for cardiovascular disease and cancer prevention. And as you can see here, the conclusion is that uh, there are really no benefits. Uh, so it's not worthwhile, at least for these um, indications. So this is a very, very murky uh, area and uh, we're going to try to unravel it so we're going to go to the movies yep we are going to the movies one of my all-time favorites is the good the bad and the ugly indeed it was the first movie that really popularized uh, clint eastwood 
And uh, it's about three gunfighters. And uh, of course, they are referred to as the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, the good isn't all that good. The bad is pretty bad, and the ugly is pretty bad too. So anyway, we're going to take a look at dietary supplements with this vision in, uh, in mind. Let's start with the really ugly ones. These are the ones that have no benefit and make outlandish claims. And we'll start with this one. This is ludicrous. When I first came across this recently, I thought this was a joke, but it isn't. Now, you know that there is a history of using silver as a, an antibacterial agent, and there is indeed something uh, to that. There are silver-based creams that can be used on burns, etc. Then there's the gimmickry of colloidal silver that people take as uh, an oral supplement, uh, supposed to do all kinds of good. The only thing it can do is uh, color you permanently, color the skin permanently. Now with this one here, beyond silver, structural silver, uh, this is absolute nonsense. And even the claims that they make <laughs> really doesn't tell you very much. Beyond Silver provides ideal access to silver's benefits. Well, where what benefits are you talking about? Quantum leap. As soon as you see anything like that, quantum leap, your alarm should uh, should be raised. And you can see here that the, the claims really don't really say anything. It provides support to athletes, travelers, and to all members of family within daily life. What does that mean? It's a nonsensical uh, statement. The only thing I can tell you is that the amount of silver in here, 15 parts per million, is totally insignificant in any way. Uh, but at least it is not going to, uh, to harm you. But look at some of the ridiculous claims that are made. Uh, so I blew up one of these so that we can read it together. Germicidal resonant frequency. Silver's natural resonant frequency. There's no such thing as silver having a frequency. It's not a musical instrument. It's not something that radiates anything. So it says, similar to ultraviolet radiation, a narrow wavelength destroys the membranes of pathogens and damages their DNA beyond repair. These are random words that are just put together. And then in the advertising are random pictures, totally meaningless diagrams. Something here shows a virus containing abnormal DNA, whatever that, that may be. And without silver, that abnormal DNA infects cells. But if you have silver, uh, then it doesn't. I mean, the, there's absolutely nothing here. These are totally meaningless diagrams. And then they show you a totally meaningless picture about what silver may do to bacteria. We have no idea what we're looking at here. So anyway, this really is ugly because it has no science behind it. There's just nothing, uh, nothing to this. But desperate people will do desperate things, such as buy this uh, nonsensical silver product. Also in the ugly category is uh, Miracle Mineral Solution. And this is even uglier than the silver, because not only doesn't it doesn't do anything, but it can be potentially dangerous. Miracle Mineral Solution actually uh, is two solutions that you have to mix together, sodium chloride and citric acid, and widely available on, on the internet. 
When you mix these two together, they form chlorine dioxide. Chlorine dioxide is a bleach. You can purchase chlorine dioxide releasing substances, and you can see the warnings on there because indeed it is a potent bleach. And it may be that this is where Trump got the idea, his original nonsense about using bleach internally against uh, COVID, uh, which of course was just a scandalous uh, thing to say. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the doctors just sat by in silence while Trump was uttering these banalities. Anyway, this is probably where he got the, uh, the idea. Anyway, chlorine dioxide is, is dangerous. You do not want this in your, um, in your body. So this really is, is ugly. And uh, when it is being promoted to fight COVID, uh, of course, it's even uglier because there you're promoting it to fight a real disease. Uh, for which it will do nothing. And as you can see here, there are people who have been arrested for for selling uh, such uh, fake uh, COVID cures. So there are a lot of these ugly supplements out there. Uh, Here is another aspect of the ugliness, is that you don't really know what you are getting in many of these dietary supplements, because they may in fact contain unapproved ingredients, which sometimes can be prescription drugs. In this particular study, what they discovered was that an over-the-counter dietary supplement that was supposed to improve cognitive uh, health actually contained a variety of prescription drugs. Now, this is not something that you want to play around with because these prescription drugs uh, may have... uh, profiles, uh, including some safety issues. And uh, liver injury, for example, we have seen an increasing number of cases of of, uh, liver injury as these uh, various kind of herbal supplements have become more and more uh, popular. And as the population is aging, more and more people are looking for cognitive help. And uh, they're looking for all kinds of supplements that are going to improve memory, et cetera. We'll have a lot more to say about those uh, a little bit later. But uh, including prescription drugs in these over-the-counter dietary supplements, of course, is is not uh, the right thing to do. It does put customers at at risk. Now, here's another uh, way that uh, there may be a risk that, that people don't realize that these substances that are sold as dietary supplements have not gone through any kind of approval process. Let's take a look at this example because this is a relatively novel business. Uh, Tianaptine. Now this is a substance that in some countries in Europe is actually sold as a prescription prescription drug. And uh, it it does really have certain indications it was an interesting discovery. Uh, the molecular structure of tianeptin is very similar to amitriptyline, which is an antidepressant. And uh, it is a general uh, procedure in, in research that when you have a substance that works and you know its molecular structure, you look for other substances with similar molecular structures, hoping to find something that works even better. So anyway, in Europe, it is approved for depression, for anxiety, for pain, and for cognitive disorder. And it is also an opiate agonist, which means it acts like morphine. 
it can be a painkiller. Obviously, anything that acts like morphine, you want to be very, very careful with. This is why in Europe, this is sold as a prescription drug. However, it is available on the internet. You can buy it, uh, maybe produced by some offshore company. And they are marketing it as a way to scratch that opioid itch without getting caught. So basically what they're saying here is that if you are an opium addict, this is one way that you can get your hands on, on a supply. And indeed, you can. You can buy this on, on the internet. Is it safe? No. There are all kinds of, of uh, documents uh, today attesting to the potential risk by using this particular uh, product. Here's just one interesting case, a letter to the editor in a scientific journal, where a gentleman was using this because he found that it was a very good painkiller for him, but then he overdosed on it and ended up in the hospital. So here is something that essentially behaves like a potent uh, opioid, and yet you can purchase it uh, online. This is something, of course, that should never be allowed to happen, but you can't control the internet. You can go online, you can buy it. You don't know actually what is in there. You don't know if the dose has been properly monitored. You buy it anywhere. In the US, you can go onto a gas station and buy it. And as unbelievable as that is, you can get an opiate analog in a gas station and nothing is being done uh, about this. So those are pretty ugly, ugly things. The bad. Now, here we get into somewhat of a different category. Uh, these are, are mostly supplements that just have no proven efficacy. Uh, so that's why I, I call them bad. They're not ugly enough to be dangerous as the ones that we have just looked at. Essentially, they're just useless. And uh, the worst that will happen is that we'll, you will lose some, um, uh, some money here. Let me start with a very interesting story on how I came across one of these. I get numerous emails every day, of course, and many of them uh, ask me to look at some video, usually interminable. It will go on for 45 minutes to an hour to, until you find out that they want to sell you some product or some book or, or, or whatever. And uh, I normally just uh, delete these right away because I've, I've learned that, that basically they're promoting garbage. But just as I was about to press the delete key on this email, I uh, took a closer look at this, the screen and my eyes came upon this sentence. All you have to do is avoid certain foods that contain a dangerous enzyme called diacetyl. As you can see, want to improve your memory and boost your brain power. That's what this is all about. And all we have to do is avoid this enzyme. Now, the reason that my eyes got stuck on this sentence is because diacetyl is not an enzyme. Now, as soon as I see something like this, I know that whatever this leads me to is going to be nonsense because anyone who thinks that diacetyl is an enzyme doesn't know what they're talking about. 
Anyway, I wanted to see where indeed this, this would lead. The fact is that diacetyl is not an enzyme. Enzymes are proteins, they're biological catalysts. They speed up chemical reaction in the body. Diacetyl is actually a very, very simple molecule. Here it is. And it's a natural component of butter. And it has a butter-like flavor and a buttery, buttery aroma. There is an issue with uh, uh, diacetyl because when it is inhaled in an occupational setting in high doses, it has led to a lung condition known as popcorn lung. Now this applies to people who work with diacetyl in an occupational setting. These are the people who are making this butter flavoring to be used in popcorn and in other foods as well. And they have to take care because inhaling this stuff is bad for the lungs. But that has nothing to do with eating this in small doses on popcorn. That is not going to give you popcorn lung. So this is an occupational hazard, that much is true. But furthermore, it has nothing to do with getting into the brain and impairing your memory. So I don't even have any idea where that, that comes from. Anyway, down the rabbit hole I went. And uh, look, uh, a bit closer, and uh, I wanted to see where this uh, silly information was coming from. So there it is, coming from brain health specialist and NASA scientist, Dr. Sam Walters. Ah, hey, that sounds pretty good. A brain health specialist, someone who's also a NASA scientist. I thought I better look into this because how would someone like that make such a mistake calling diacetyl an, an enzyme. I mean, anyone who's at all scientifically inclined would not make this, uh, this mistake. So I start looking into this. So I, I uh, do find Dr. Sam Walters because he has quite an extensive profile on the internet. And uh, so I want to know how, how does a, a doctor make such a mistake? Well, it turned out that he's not exactly a doctor, at least not a medical doctor. He's a naturopath. And of course, as soon as I see that, the, the red flags go up because I know the training that naturopaths have uh, and I know that uh, it is nowhere near what medical doctors have and that they mostly try to sell supplements. And of course, the whole, whole concept of naturopathy is based on, on, uh, on the false notion that nature uh, can cure uh, every disease. So anyways, I, I did start listening to the video. I just want to see where this was gonna go. And of course it turns out that he's selling supplements. And here's one of them, stem cell renew. Well, I won't even bother uh, going into the nonsense of renewing stem cells. I mean, this is just, you cannot do that. Stem cells, of course, are very important cells because eventually they can develop into any kind of cell in the body. But you cannot renew stem cells, and this is just a total uh, nonsense. So where does this come from? So I keep listening to Dr. Walters, and he directs me to Bapan, which is a small village in China that has come to be known as the Longevity Village, because apparently there are many people there who are very old and many centenarians. And uh, Walters tells us this, that there are all kinds of, of people living to an amazing age in, in, uh, in this town in, in, in China. And 
Why? Because those villagers take 200 milligrams of a special herbal extract per day. This is total fancy. There is absolutely no evidence that these people are taking any kind of supplement. That's not what they do in these remote villages in, in, in China. But of course, this is a supplement that he is selling. And it's a blend of uh, resveratrol, which is the stuff that we get in red wine. I'll have a little bit more to say about that, that later. And you have wild blueberry powder and goji juice extract and ginkgo biloba, etc. There's absolutely no evidence that this supplement is being taken by some villagers in China. Uh, that that is, is total nonsense. Uh, what we do know is that they have a diet that is mostly vegetarian, that for sure. Uh, they eat uh, fish quite a bit. They don't eat any meat or hardly, uh, hardly any meat. So they have a mostly plant-based diet. They are very, very active, uh, far more active than the average North American. And uh, they smile a lot. They have a good attitude towards life. That is int very interesting because there are studies that show that people who smile a lot actually live longer. A fascinating study about baseball players and the photos on their cards. And uh, this takes us back to 1950s when these researchers looked at um, baseball cards that were produced in, in 1950, the players who were active then, and they put them into categories of either smilers, uh, non-smilers, or moderate smilers, and they looked at how long these players lived. And it turned out that the ones who were smiling in their pictures lived seven years longer. Now, of course, it's not because of the smile per se, but maybe it's some insight into the attitude they have towards life, that they take things easier. They're not buffeted about by the, uh, the waves that, that uh, drown so many people in, in life. Uh, interesting. So anyway, these people in, in China and in this remote village eat a mostly plant-based diet. They exercise a great deal. They have a nice outlook on life. They, they tend to uh, not to get uh, uh, too serious about anything. And that probably accounts for their longevity. And there's, of course, zero evidence that they take any kind of dietary supplement. And furthermore, Walter's Although he implies that he discovered this phenomenon of longevity in China, even that is not true. Uh, a book by Dr. John Day uh, precedes anything that Walters is, uh, is saying. He's the one who actually first noticed that there were uh, an unusual number of centenarians in this particular uh, province in, in China. Anyway, Walters doesn't stop with the stem cell renew business. He... Uh, tells us that today there are all kinds of people who are flooding to this area of China, which is true. And indeed, there are hotels being built and all because people think that this is where the fountain of youth is. And he goes on and says that, you know, once again, it's because of the supplements that, that they're taking. And uh, he says that uh, there are other herbal supplements here that can lead to longevity a, a, as well. And he tells us that we can wake up our sluggish brain cells and enjoy mental focus 
without harmful pills. We can turbocharge our brain. And of course, he has exactly the product to do that. It's called youthful brain. Of course, he gives us evidence. Well, what kind of evidence? There are a number of herbal extracts uh, in this product. As you can see, there's uh, Bacopa monieri, Ginkgo biloba. Those are ones that are very popular. And he gives us the evidence. What's the evidence? He said, just take a look at Tibetan monks who have unbelievable memories. First of all, we don't know that Tibetan monks have unbelievable memories, but says it is because they constantly are eating an extract of the Bacopa monieri plant. First of all, I can't find any evidence that this is a particular feature of the diet of Tibetan monks uh, or that Tibetan monks have any kind of amazing memory. But this is the argument. And then we go to elephants. As Walters tells us, elephants have very, very good memories. Well, there may be something to that, although it's uh, questionable, uh, you know, because uh, there isn't a great deal of scientific evidence, but suppose that elephants have memories. So he says it is because their favorite tree from which to feed is the ginkgo biloba tree. But first of all, I don't know it is true that this is the elephant's favorite tree. In fact, I don't think that it is. Uh, but just because the elephants eat the leaves of the ginkgo biloba tree and have good memories does not mean that some kind of extract of ginkgo biloba is going to have any effect in, in, in people. But uh, this, again, is what he is selling. But note the small print on the bottle. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So then why would anyone want to take it? if it's not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any kind of disease. The answer here, of course, is that there's no reason to take this because there's absolutely no evidence here. Similarly for Prevagen, this is a very, very widely promoted supplement these days. If you watch television at night, particularly CNN, you'll see endless commercials for, uh, for Prevagen, which is supposed to improve memory. And uh, once again, I point out that uh, in the ad for Prevagen, uh, you have the same statement that this has not been uh, investigated by uh, FDA and that it is, in fact, illegal to promote this as a product that will diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, yet that is exactly what they do. Then the case of Prevagen, the promoters say that it includes a substance that is isolated from the jellyfish. Now, I don't know why anyone should think that, that just because something is isolated from the jellyfish, it should be beneficial. But this is, is playing up this, this idea that nature knows best and that natural substances must somehow be uh, beneficial. So they say that it contains this calcium binding protein, which is also found in, in, in jellyfish, and that this is what improves memory. Well, the first thing to understand that this compound, which indeed is found in, in jellyfish, which is a so what, but it is found in jellyfish, but it gets degraded in digestive tract. So even if you would eat it, it would not get into the, uh, the bloodstream. And furthermore, it isn't actually extracted from jellyfish. Although it could be, it is found in jellyfish, but it's far too laborious to extract it from there. So it's, it's made synthetically in the lab. Now, not that that makes any difference. 
because what matters is what it is, what that chemical is, not what its ancestry is. And this is where the problem comes in. Now, they say that they have evidence, and this is the paper that they quote, effects of a supplement containing apoaquarin on verbal learning in older adults in the community. This is the, the single paper that is constantly being quoted by the promoters of, of Prevagen. When you read this paper, it says in the paper that the results were no better than placebo. That's what it says in their paper because this was funded by Prevagen. So how can this memory supplement that had shown it to be no better than placebo still be advertised as effective? Because this is where they start doing some imaginative, what we call data mining or post hoc analysis. You take a look at your data and you see whether or not you can suck something out of it that you can show to be beneficial. So what they looked at was some subgroups. They looked at younger people, older people, males, females, who were in this trial. And they did find one particular group in which there was some evidence of benefit. That's what they focus in on, forgetting the more than 27 other subgroups that showed no significant effect at all. Because of the lack of evidence, the Federal Trade Commission in the U.S. Uh, has gone after the marketers of Prevagen uh, for making deceptive uh, claims about their, their product, and it went to court. There were all kinds of claims against the company, and these are still, still ongoing, all kinds of uh, class action lawsuits, some of which have already been settled. So people got their money back uh, which of course was a lot of money that the company had to uh, had to return, but the product still sells very well. So even though they've settled these class action lawsuits and more and more are are, are being mounted against them, uh, they still keep advertising and they still keep selling and they still keep paying the fines because it is still worthwhile for them. And it's sold in health food stores. It's sold in, in pharmacies. Uh, there's just no scientific evidence that Prevagen will improve uh, memory. All kinds of other stuff, of course, that you can get in health food stores, uh, pharmacies without any uh, evidence. And here's another very interesting one. This is a, a secretagogue. Now, let me give you the uh, history here. Uh, about um, where this idea comes from, that this could be beneficial. We go back to 1990, and a paper published in New England Journal of Medicine, which is one of the most highly respected uh, medical journals uh, in, in the world, about human growth hormone. The human growth hormone is, is produced in the body by the pituitary gland, and uh, it uh, is produced in uh, pretty significant doses as the body is building, that is from infancy through childhood. And this production winds down as we get older. So the question was, perhaps supplementing with growth hormone may be of some benefit. It was a reasonable idea. And that's what the researchers did. So they injected human growth hormone. In those days, this was something that was isolated from the pituitaries of uh, cadavers. 
And they uh, uh, had about a dozen and a half uh, elderly gentlemen who were willing to be volunteers, who were injected with the human growth hormone. And surprisingly, perhaps, there were some benefits that were noted. Men in their 80s showed some improvement in muscle mass and lean tissue mass, decreased fatty tissue, increase in skin thickness, uh, increase in the... uh, density of bone in the lower back, all of these good things. And as you might imagine, the press got a hold of this, and all of a sudden, this became a a miracle uh, product. The only problem was that uh, it was extremely expensive because you had to extract it from cadavers, and there were side effects. The author of the paper eventually had to write a letter to the journal saying that they, in fact, had stopped this study after six months because of the side effects that were being noted. Of course, that's not something that the media was very much interested in. By this time, the story had had been uh, basically uh, bypassed. And uh, people were still trying to get the human growth hormone. But if they were getting real human growth hormone, they had to pay a lot of money for it because... In the study, it cost $17,000 for every subject in that six-month trial. So the truth was that there were a lot of of scam operators who were selling what they said was human growth hormone, which actually wasn't because they couldn't possibly be producing it for the money that they they were charging. Enter the secretagogues. So here's the, the interesting game that they played. They said human growth hormone is a protein, which is true. Proteins are made of amino acids joined together, which is true. The body makes this hormone from the amino acids, which are provided by the diet, which is true. So what they claim is that the secretagogue contains the mix of amino acids that are needed to make this protein. Well, that is true, except that the problem is not not having enough of the raw material. Goodness knows we eat enough protein in North America. We have plenty of amino acids from which to synthesize the human growth hormone. The problem is that as we get older, the body no longer carries out this function. The enzymes that are needed to do this are no longer functional. So what they are selling here is a mix of amino acids, which are indeed found in human growth hormone, But that doesn't mean the body is going to use these to make human growth hormone. If I give you an analogy, if I took a bunch of Lego bricks, blocks of all kinds, and put them on a table and waited until they would assemble themselves into some recognizable piece, I think we would have a very long wait, right? You would need the human hand in order to do this. So just having the raw materials is not enough. The claims that are being made for these secretagogues essentially amount to quackery. Now, as you know, I'm interested in quackery. I'm interested in the people who make false, unverifiable statements without any documentation. Uh, I like to look into these things. I uh, enjoy looking into uh, quacks. And of course, I also enjoy looking at molecules such as DNA. <laughs> and sometimes these, uh, these go together. 
Let me give you an example here. These are chromosomes that, that we have in our cells, which are just coiled DNA. And DNA, of course, uh, is the molecule that, that uh, tells the body exactly what to do. It's a so-called blueprint of life. Anyway, we're not going to get into that now. But the very ends of these chromosomes are the so-called telomeres. And those are, are, are just coils of, of, of DNA. And very often the analogy that is used is to the aglets on the shoelace. That's a little plastic cap on shoelace. And you know when that breaks, then the shoelace, the fabric begins to unravel. Now the same thing can be said uh, for uh, the, the ends of the DNA, the telomeres. When they no longer function properly, uh, and that happens when a cell keeps dividing, and with each division, there's a little bit of damage to the telomeres. Eventually, those telomeres shorten and the cell stops dividing. This is not a good thing. This is what leads to aging. This is what can lead to, to uh, memory problems. And that's real science. In fact, it's such real science that a Nobel Prize has been awarded for research into what telomeres are and what they do, including Josh Sostak, who is a McGill graduate. So in any case, the science of telomeres is real. And it is true that when these telomeres get short at the end of the chromosomes, uh, that can lead to problems. The cells don't divide properly, and that, that means aging issues, uh, etc. Now, of course, uh, the supplement manufacturers jump on, on this with claims that they have come up with products that will prevent those telomeres from being degraded. It sounds very good. And here's such a, a product, rejuvenation through telomerase activation. Now, telomerase is an enzyme that builds the telomeres. So if you really had some way to increase the activity of those enzymes. That would be great because then you would really be preventing the telomeres from breaking down. Now, the claim here is that they've been able to isolate something from a plant, from an herb, the astragalus plant, that they say has this activity. The only problem is that there is no evidence. This is hearsay. Uh, there is a compound in there, cycloastrogenol, which has been studied. And there are some possible indications here in, in laboratory studies that this may have some beneficial effect, but nobody has shown that this can prevent telomeres from being degraded. Uh, and yet they claim the first and only supplement clinically proven to add length to your telomeres. Well, I can't find any evidence that this has been uh, clinically proven. It's easy to say something like that and uh, they get away with it. Well, they don't always get away with it. As you can see, uh, in this case, uh, uh, the uh, Federal Trade Commission once again got after them and they were barred from uh, making these false and unsupported uh, health claims and they ended up uh, paying a fine. But very often, it is worthwhile for them to pay the fine because sales are, are uh, so uh, extensive uh, that they make enough money so they can pay off the, the fine and still keep making the false claims. And the FTC comes after them, they pay again, and uh, on, on and on it goes. And uh, 
you know, eventually, of course, they cave in and, and they, they put on the disclaimer, but the disclaimers really don't do much uh, because they, you know, they also insinuate that they are putting that disclaimer on because the uh, FTC and the FDA make them put these disclaimers on there. And sometimes they even stretch this argument further saying that the reason that the FDA and FTC make them put these disclaimers on there is because they are trying to protect the profits of big pharma. And uh, because these so-called natural products cannot be patented, big pharma is not interested in them, and they want to sweep them under the carpet so they can keep selling their expensive but ineffective uh, drugs. And unfortunately, some people buy into uh, into this argument. Uh, the fact is that there is just no supporting evidence that the product that we were just looking at there has any effect on, on, on telomeres. What we do have evidence for is the price, which is uh, staggering. $744 is what you have to pay if you want your, if you want the illusion of your telomeres being lengthened, because as I said, there's no evidence that it actually does that. Uh, As you can see, you sell enough of this at that kind of a a price range, you can afford to pay the fines. There are many, many other such supplements out there which charge outrageous amounts. One of those are the chlorophyll supplements. And there are many, many of these. Look at the price here. Not quite as high as the one we just looked at, but pretty high. $196 for uh, this small bottle, contains chlorophyll. And they will tell you in the accompanying literature that chlorophyll is perhaps the most important molecule in the world because without chlorophyll, there would be no life. That is actually true. Chlorophyll is the molecule that all plants use to photosynthesize. This is the molecule that captures the energy of the sun and allows all of the chemistry to take place in the leaf of a plant. Now, without plants, of course, there would be no life because all all of our food somehow comes from plants, either by directly eating them or eating the animals that have eaten the plants. So it is absolutely true that chlorophyll is essential to life. But we are not plants. We do not photosynthesize we have no requirement for chlorophyll. But look at the inventive advertising. They tell you at the bottom here that it is chemically similar to hemoglobin. Well, yes, it is chemically similar to hemoglobin. And hemoglobin, of course, is very important for carrying oxygen around the body. And therefore, the inference here, of course, they don't directly make that claim, is that this will enhance oxygen transport in the body. While the chlorophyll molecule is chemically similar to hemoglobin. It is not identical. It has a magnesium ion in the middle, not an iron ion. And in hemoglobin, it is the iron that is critical. It is the iron to which the oxygen binds. So chlorophyll has no value for humans. We're not plants, we do not photosynthesize. And paying $196 for something that is critical to plants makes no sense for the human uh, body. All right, but I don't want to to leave you thinking that there are no beneficial supplements. There there are some. Uh, 
you've heard a lot recently about zinc. Zinc is a mineral that the body really does need. Uh, it is part of a large number of enzymes. However, it's very unlikely in North America to have a deficiency because zinc is found in so many foods. It's found extensively in, in, in meat. But people are taking some zinc supplements uh, these days because there are some studies that have shown that people have low levels of zinc in their blood are more susceptible to contracting COVID-19. But what also needs to be said is that there are very few people in North America who have low levels of zinc because of the pretty varied diet that, that we have. Also, I think it needs to be pointed out that while a little bit of zinc is good, more is not better. We need just the right amount. Zinc deficiency indeed can be linked to, to uh, reduced immune function. But interestingly enough, zinc excess is also linked to depressed immune function. The maximum supplementary dose I think that should be taken uh, is about 50 milligrams. Nobody should be taking more zinc than that because then you start to get into the harmful range. But so far, the evidence is that people who have exceeding low levels of zinc in their blood, which is, would be very unusual in North America, are more prone to get COVID-19. And this is what has generated the, the massive uh, uh, sale of zinc uh, supplements. Well, when we look at the scientific literature, indeed we do find that uh, lower levels of zinc in the blood are associated with the increased risk of death in patients. But again, this is an association. And another little warning here is that associations do not prove cause and effect. It may be that people who have low levels of zinc in their blood differ also in other ways from people who have normal levels, and it may not have anything to do with, with the zinc. It may be that they just have an overall poorer diet, or maybe they are less active, or maybe they are taking some medication that lowers the zinc levels. So just because we have an association doesn't mean that it is cause and effect doesn't indicate that we should be taking zinc supplements. But at least this is not total nonsense because zinc is an essential nutrient for the body. And if someone really does have low zinc levels as measured by a blood test, it may make some sense to take a zinc supplement. And then there's vitamin D, which is the vitamin of course that has garnered the, the most publicity. Uh, because once again, we do have uh, some evidence that there's a role for it to be played in the context of, uh, of COVID-19. For example, uh, this study looked at 489 patients uh, who had their um, blood drawn and who had vitamin D levels measured. And uh, uh, this had nothing at, at all to do with covid uh, they, they were being looked after for other health issues and their blood was taken and, and uh, vitamin D levels were measured. And then eventually, as COVID-19 set in, uh, some of these people obviously uh, contracted the disease. And it turns out that relative risk among those who tested positive was 1.7 times greater than people who... Uh, who had uh, uh, proper vitamin uh, D status. So basically the suggestion here was that people who had 
low levels of vitamin D in their blood were more likely to get COVID. And there may be something to this uh, because vitamin D, of course, is a very important role player uh, in immune activity. It is uh, a safe nutrient to take. I think uh, anyone taking 1,000 to 2,000 units uh, of vitamin D a day has nothing to worry about. And it may be a wise thing to do, especially here in our climate in North America, especially in the winter when we don't get the sunshine. And uh, uh, vitamin D, although it's called the sunshine vitamin, of course, it's not contained in sunshine. It's the sunshine that that, uh, triggers its production in the skin. But if we're not exposed to the sun, then we don't get vitamin D. And uh, vitamin D has important uh, uh, features in in health. So we want to have good levels of vitamin D. And uh, I think taking 1,000 to 2,000 units a day is, uh, is certainly not a problem. There's no risk, and it might do some good. So I would put this into the good category. Of course, there are people who overhype this, such as Joe Mercola, who is the biggest uh, uh, scam artist on the internet. Uh, he's a former osteopathic physician, although he hasn't practiced for a decade. But he's built an empire on the internet selling all kinds of uh, bogus uh, supplements. And right now, COVID treatments, he sells zinc, he sells vitamin D and numerous other things, claiming that these are treatments for COVID. Now, as I said, there there may be some argument for uh, making sure that you have adequate levels of zinc and, and vitamin D to try to prevent disease. But to claim that these are treatments that's a completely different uh, story. Anyway, uh, the FDA has gotten a- after him, given him warnings, but again, he pays the fine and everything uh, goes on. He sells, of course, all kinds of dietary supplements, and his are, are said to be better than anyone else's. It's also you know, interesting to see this battle between the supplement manufacturers, each one claiming that the others are fraudulent, that they have the best uh, product. In this case, it's organic uh, astaxanthin, which is a kind of of, uh, carotene. Again, uh, there's no evidence that his is any better than anyone else's or that it is worthwhile to take any kind of astaxanthin uh, tablets at all. Just don't have any any science uh, upon which to base such a, a recommendation. Of course, herbal remedies are very big in the dietary supplement uh, business because people have the idea uh, that uh, there's magic in these in these herbs. And just because they have long been used in Ayurvedic medicine or in, in traditional Chinese medicine, uh, that uh, they must be good because the ancient Chinese couldn't have been wrong. They were wrong about most things, but not necessarily everything. There certainly are some herbal remedies that are worthwhile taking a look at. Uh, The roots that you're looking at here and the powder that can be uh, obtained by grinding them and put into capsules uh, come from the ashwagandha uh, plant. And this is a plant that grows uh, extensively in Asia. And indeed, it has a long history of use in uh, Ayurvedic, which is the ancient Indian medicine, and also in traditional Chinese uh, medicine. Uh, There are a large number of studies that have been done on ashwagandha. And again, let me, let me point out that the idea of using compounds 
that come from plants for medicine uh, is a totally valid uh, argument because there are many compounds that we use that originate in, 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 uh, in plants. Vincristine, for example, which is, is used as a cancer treatment, comes from the Madagascar periwinkle. The autumn crocus gives us colchicine, which is used for gout. Morphine, of course, classic painkiller, comes from the uh, uh, opium poppy. Digitalis comes from the foxglove uh, plant. So, of course, the, you know there are plant compounds, but these are isolated and purified so that uh, the exact dose to be used can be determined. Anyway, there is some scientific literature on ashwagandha. We know that it contains some physiologically active compounds, and these actually have been identified, and there they are. We know their molecular structure. And uh, there are some studies that have been done using extracts of, uh, of this plant and uh, you see that some of them lower serum cortisol, that's the stress hormone, reduce anxiety, improve sleep. Uh, now, I would not say that the evidence here is, is ironclad, but at least we have scientific studies. And these are in the period literature. Uh, here's one, for example, ashwagandha aqueous root extract was beneficial in reducing stress and anxiety. Uh, here's another one, uh, extract improving sexual function in, in women. Uh, of course, they, the problem here is that there are many, many different ways of preparing these extracts and standardizing it. Standardization is, is a real problem. What ideally we would want to do is to isolate the active ingredient as a single compound and then use that in a prescribed dose then we might want to raise a glass of wine to ashwagandha and celebrate it as a, a medication that, that actually works against anxiety, improves sleep or, or, or whatever. We're not quite there yet, but uh, neither should we dis dismiss ashwagandha because there's, uh, let's just say there's enough smoke there for you know, there to be some, some fire. But about this red wine, well, red wine contains a compound called resveratrol, which of course has been in the news a great deal because it too is supposed to have some rejuvenating effects and it has been marketed in, in supplements. Now here, there's some real legitimate science by Dr. David Sinclair, who is a, a really well-known Harvard scientist who has done a lot of experiments with resveratrol. And his major discovery was that this compound can activate a gene that codes for a set of enzymes called the sirtuins. And these do play a significant role, as you can see, in the repair of DNA and aging. This is good stuff. Okay. Now, the experiments that he has done are very interesting. For example, he has put um, mice on a standard diet put some on a high calorie diet and put some on a high calorie diet and supplemented with resveratrol. Well, it turns out that the physiology and the life expectancy of the fat mice that were supplemented with resveratrol was the same as of the mice on a standard diet, whereas the ones on a high calorie diet had reduced life expectancy. So the resveratrol was actually able to slow down the aging process. That's interesting. 
And that study, of course, has been widely reported by the press. What has not been widely reported was the amount of resveratrol used in these studies was equivalent to the resveratrol found in about 100 bottles of red wine. No one's going to drink that and think that that is going to prevent them from aging. So the question is, what about taking resveratrol supplements? Because you could take the amount that is found in 100 bottles of wine and synthesize it. It's a relatively easy molecule to synthesize or to isolate from some plant sources, put them into a capsule. The problem here is that uh, resveratrol is very, very poorly soluble, so it's hard to get into the bloodstream, which means that it's not really bioavailable. And then there's also the issue that it may have estrogenic effects. It's chemically very similar to diethylstilbestrol, which is the estrogenic compound that, that uh, caused problems when it was taken by uh, uh, women who were trying to get uh, uh, pregnant and uh, we're having a, a difficulty. Uh, anyway, that story goes back about 25 years, diethylstilbestrol. Uh, but resveratrol has some chemical similarity there. So we need some more uh, research here. However, there's another way to get to the sirtuin story. Sirtuins, which are these enzymes that really are linked with reduced aging, they, in order to function, need a coenzyme, which is uh, nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. Now that is something that is available as a supplement. Uh, it's actually in two forms. You can get it uh, as uh, NMN, or you can get it as nicotinamide riboside, which in the body converts to NMN. So these are the precursors for the molecule that I just talked about. And we can show and in human trials that actually it does increase the levels in the blood, but so far nobody has shown clinical benefits, but in theory, this should be able to increase certain concentrations, which should be beneficial. But there's a much easier way to increase certain concentrations. And that is, believe it or not, with just eating less, a low calorie diet. We know that people who have low calorie diet live longer. This uh, may be the best kind of non-supplement I can tell you about, because there is really hard evidence for this, that cutting back on, on total calories is what increases uh, longevity. So anyway, there you have a, a, a look uh, at some of the supplements that are out there and how careful one has to be about making a decision. But none of these are miraculous. None of them are, are going to have any really significant effect. I don't think that physicians have to worry that these vitamins or the supplements are, are somehow going to eliminate the need for, uh, for physicians. Anyway, we do have lots of more information about this kind of stuff on our, our website, which is mcgill.ca slash OSS. We also have a YouTube channel uh, we produce a bi-weekly uh, uh, program, uh, a webcast called The Dose of Science. And uh, you can go on youtube.com and, and see all the previous ones. We'll be producing another one this week. And uh, you can sign up for our free newsletter also by going to the uh, website. 
And uh, of course, you can always uh, email me as well if you have any kind of, uh, uh, of questions. So that's it for today for uh, our story about supplements. And uh, if anyone has uh, any questions, uh, we can uh, try to uh, handle them. <laughs>